Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. We are now live, unless you're watching this later on YouTube. <laughs> we'll uh, dive into some smug posts. We've got an Entree Joe skit we'll do for you. Um, but we've got a really great topic. Covers a wide range of things. Adam, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so the main topic we're going to talk about this week is uh, opportunity costs. What they mean, how to kind of, you know, Think about the ones that are less obvious and uh, how it can affect your business, especially uh, when you're kind of starting out and really understanding some of those basic kind of economic principles that maybe aren't so obvious sometimes. Um, So is there anything you kind of want to touch on that before I jump in? Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, you know, All right. there's a way, there's a lot of ways we can look at this, right? You can look at it in terms of cost. You can look at it in terms of time. You can um, look at what you've lost, but you can also lose time going after something you think you're going to gain. So there's a whole bunch of ways that we can approach this, even talking about the opportunity of the sale. So, but I'm happy to go with your, your guys's bullet points and uh, just kind of riff on those. Yeah. So there's, really two main types of opportunity costs. And the first one's a pretty, uh, it's much easier to kind of understand just from the get-go, right? It's its what they call explicit costs or out-of-pocket costs. So, you know, if you have to buy something, like we just bought a, a, a new printer for FMS. So we spent that that money that now cannot be used for other things, right? So it's an opportunity cost. We, we went this way, so we don't necessarily have the option to go over here. So that one's kind of, kind of obvious. Um, the other type, is what's called an implicit cost, um, where you're utilizing resources um, that can be used for other other purposes that aren't necessarily a direct kind of dollar cost. Um, uh, they're usually hidden. They're typically intangible. And the biggest one, like Joe mentioned, is time, uh, time, labor, things like that. And so, if we go back to the to the equipment kind of analogy, like let's say that that the printer broke. And, you know, the explicit cost would be the money that you would spend to repair the printer, right? So that money is now gone. You can't use it on something else. The implicit cost would be the entire time that printer is down, we wouldn't be printing, right? And so you're looking at that time that, that goes on and all the cards that could have been printed that now aren't. So someone might have to stay late, um, might have to work overtime, um, might have a, a, a delay, you know, things of that nature that you kind of have to weigh. So that's kind of the the basic breakdown um, between them. And it's also important to note that this doesn't include what's called a sunk cost, hence the term sunk, um, because opportunity costs are constantly kind of looking at present and future action, whereas a sunk cost, you've spent it. You know, like if you bought land, if you bought uh, whatever, that sunk cost is there and it's not going to change necessarily based on your actions. So this is kind of an important thing to remember. Um, and the reason that I kind of wanted to talk about this now that we've kind of gone through the overview, Joe, is because this is something I do pretty much on a daily basis, right? Like trying to figure out where we want the software development to go. It's a big reason why software development moved to what's called agile versus, you know, the more um, uh, stereotypical waterfall method that used to kind of where you'd, you'd launch a, a uh a large project and um, you would spend six months building that. And then by the time you came out, you know, it's an entirely different thing. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up because it's something that, like I said, that I think about all the time and that a lot of people kind of get in trouble if they're not thinking about this um, because the biggest thing is time. If you devote your time all in one basket, so to speak, and there's other areas that are growth opportunities for you that you're not finding, then it's going to hinder your growth. And so that's kind of, I think, where I really wanted to kind of focus on. And I have a a good example for us internally, Joe, but maybe if you have something that kind of uh, you and Eric and some of the others uh, found when you were when you were growing Service Moss or other examples, you you felt like this was kind of an important um, note. I mean, I'd rather talk about maybe the opportunity costs that service providers get in trouble with a little bit. Sure. Um, Because you see. I'll talk about the less obvious one, redundancy. Um, So you have a truck mount or you've got a porty or you've got your pressure washing gear. Um, And if you're a single owner operator and that's all the gear you have, that's a single point of failure. So your opportunity cost there theoretically could be if that unit goes down, not only are you missing the time 
and you're missing the ability to service the clients you've got on the schedule that day or for the length of time that equipment is no longer operational. Um, but you're also missing out on making an awesome impression. There's a cost associated with that. It could be in repeat business and referrals. Sometimes if you got a little cash and as you grow, having um, a unit on the back burner, as it were, is a good idea, especially winter when things kind of go crazy, things freeze and break a lot easier. Um, an alternative to that, of course, would be a really good mechanic or a distributor that you work with that can get you up and running quickly, but you're still going to be missing time there. So then your equation comes into how much does it cost me to have two of these things and put one on the shelf or one in the garage until they're needed. And then when that happens, uh, you can send the one unit off to be fixed, jump in the other unit and continue on your day. Most people don't have the capital to be able to do that. In all honesty, though my schedule was not redundant in all of its systems until just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so we had times when we went down for a couple of days and that takes cards and they get delayed. Um, but now we've solved that issue and we're fully redundant. We're talking, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollar units as far as, you know, these machines that we're getting. So it took us a while to really um, jump into that and, and be redundant. The other thing that I see, which is much more common, is the seduction of a business owner once they start to figure things out. Because once you get in a mindset of, oh, I've got marketing and sales, I got my website, my tech, we can do the job, like things are running and you get a little bit of success. And then all of a sudden you start seeing opportunities everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And so, uh, you, you know, you start selling essential oils or, you know, some stock on the side or, you know, maybe you want to become an influencer or something and you start doing a lot of um, content, video and, and blogging and, you know, whatever. Man, that is a huge opportunity cost in the fact that you're taking time away from your core competency. Sometimes it makes sense if you can add a new service to your existing client base. That makes a lot of sense. But I just see too many single owner operators get a little bit of success. They hire one or two people, then they get distracted. They go after something else and then neither of them work out well. They fail at the new endeavor and the old endeavor just kind of spins and people get tired of it and you lose credibility in your community. So those are two big areas that I caution often uh, when it comes to opportunity costs. Yeah, and uh, that's actually a big reason why I mentioned the uh, printer because it's something that we just uh, dealt with internally. Um, another big one that, um, again, this is related to us, but it, it can work um, on your guys' end as far as your websites go. Uh, we had the new help website launch uh, a few months ago, and it was kind of a it was it, it was it was a big lift, and we can thank uh, Mary up over here um, <laughs> for all the hard work that she did on that. But it's kind of that, um, you know, we, we here at Service Monster, we, we value, you know, you guys being able to call us um, on the support line and, and talk to a person. That's something that, you know, we definitely have worked hard to kind of make sure that you guys have that ability. And but on the flip side, a lot of the questions that come in are really kind of simple, basic questions. Where is it? How do I do it? Um, what is it? And we kind of had to take some time on the onboarding side and really just kind of choose. It's like, hey, we can continue going down this path of uh, everything is 100% one-on-one learning, or we can take the time to really beef up some of this self-help so that it's more of like a supplementary thing. And then we're still there to hold your hand when when the going gets tough, but um, we're not devoting those constant extra resources, right? Because that's a, it's a big thing that we, we we talked about, right, Joe, even when I started onboarding is just getting that the ability to scale. And it's kind of the same thing on your website, making sure that you're not, you know, relying on um, an email coming through and you coming to find it, or they have to get someone on the phone or so on and so forth. If you can get those leads kind of the action rolling, right, you're, you're, you have that opportunity there versus the time investment to go through these other channels. Yeah. I mean, focusing on um, automation, right? Frees up opportunity in other areas. Uh, 
Uh, and so, you know, obviously a good example would be automating that lead capture process on your website, which then goes to your CRM, which then notifies you and gets the ball rolling. But while your marketing was out there on Facebook and Google, and it's just working 24 seven for you, you can be doing other things, um, driving the business in the right direction or actually performing the work. And then when they trip and they come through and then they hit the website, then the website does its thing. Right. And then hopefully as a funnel, some of those will fill out that lead uh, form and then end up in your CRM and you get notified. And then again, we've talked about um, how quickly you need to act on these leads, but jumping on that very quickly, making contact and then closing the deal. Now, there are some times when those opportunities take longer. Uh, you'll have to, you know, approach them multiple times or hit them through multiple vectors. Commercial accounts being one is a good one. Um, or maybe you've got a VIP that you're really going after and you want to send emails, you want to send a direct mail, you want to do phone calls. Um, one way you can handle that directly within Service Monsters through our Opportunity Pipeline. And so, uh, Mary, why don't you kind of show us what that looks like inside Service Monster? Totally. Yeah. The opportunities are a great way of kind of visually tracking your process of going through a sale and setting up an estimate. So we can find them by going into leads on the left-hand side menu here and then selecting opportunities. So this is kind of our generic basic opportunity board set up here. So each of these different cards represent a client that they're work we're working towards working with. And then each of these cards is assigned to a different step. So we have have for this example, open, initial contact, qualified, estimate, and negotiation. And right here, right when you look at the card, you can see information you've entered in, such as your estimated value for this work, uh, a due date for it, when you kind of, when's the last point of um, contact for you with that, when you can decide if we've won or lost this, how many days it's been in the stage, you can assign a probability to it, so how likely you think it is that you'll win or lose that, as well as what type of work you're going to be doing with them. And they're really simple to set up. All that you have to do is click on this plus opportunity, and here you can start building your card. Basically, the only required information for you to choose is to pick an account that you're going to be working with. And you can make a new account right from here as well by simply clicking on the plus account button right there. But we can just grab one of my basic ones. You can give it a name, choose a type for it, as well as again, assign that value and probability and due date. Um, another handy thing with this is you can also give it a description and a next step. So right when you open up that opportunity and look at it, you can see what your goal is for your communication with them. A uh, handy thing with this is it just makes it really easy for you to know how you're spending your time. And um, like we said, time is an implicit cost when it comes to your opportunity cost. So if you're spending a lot of time on someone and it's really not getting anywhere and you're keeping track of the conversations that you're having them, what sort of communication that you've had. Here I can show you, I can open one of these up simply by clicking on them. And this is just a really handy dashboard for keeping track of that communication. If you end up setting up an order for them, what step they're at. And that can just really help you with your sales pipeline and making those decisions about, hey, is this someone that is going to be worth working with? Are they respectful of my time and the work that I want to do with them? Or is it time to move on and spend that time with someone else? Yeah. Perfect. And, and those stages in that process too, you know, moving them through um, on that board really gives you a visual indicator of where you're at in the sales pipeline. And like Mary said, it's a really good point. If you've got a, somebody that it looks like it's going to be a hundred dollar invoice, non-commercial account or bare minimum, you know, whatever your minimum charge is, do you really want to spend 12 hours courting the sale? Um, versus you've got a big commercial client that has monthly reoccurring of, let's say, you know, 1200 bucks, you might want to spend a little bit more time with that one. You know, you might want to reach out a couple more times. You might want to send out, um, direct mail. You might want to help use the interaction through send Jim and send them a brownie or something, right? Something really nice. So, it's um it's a big deal uh, opportunity costs all around but managing your sales pipeline and and your opportunities with who you're communicating with and what value they're going to bring to the company it you know it's kind of dehumanizing in a way to try to equate dollars to people 
but we are running businesses and um, we don't have infinite resources. You know, people harp, especially nowadays, harping on capitalism a little bit. And I'll be the first one to say we need to rethink it. Sure, infinite resources aren't infinite. But at the same time, you have value. The expertise you have has value. The equipment that you have has value. The time you've put into your business has value. All of that upfront cost, it's like that old analogy, uh, hiring the plumber um, who shows up and looks at the water heater, takes out his hammer and whacks a certain place and then everything starts working again and then hands you a $150 bill. Like all you did was hit the water cooler with the hammer and the response is, well, that will only cost five bucks. The other $145 is for my expertise, knowing where to hit on the water cooler. Otherwise, you could have done it yourself and not called me. Um, and so we're not necessarily trying to equate dollars to people, but we're making best use of your time as a professional and an expert and making sure that you're able to grow a thriving business. So all kinds of ways you can really link opportunity, the time that you take, the resources that you give. And here's another one that's kind of fun. Business owners will be very guarded of their time. I know I am. It's one of my character flaws. If I feel like someone else is wasting my time, I get mad. If I have to repeat myself, I get mad. That's like my cognitive dissonance just goes off like crazy. But I can waste my own time and not be mad at myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'd be like, you're wasting my time. I got to get back to work. Ten minutes after I'm back to work, I'm surfing Facebook or <laughs> doing something that isn't necessarily the best use of my time. So monitoring that, um, monitoring your own opportunity loss for the amount of time that you're not taking via lack of discipline is a thing, too. So, Adam, what else did you have on that? that list i'm actually really sometimes joe i feel like we're just just you know tuned in up. yeah um this was a perfect transition to kind of what um this doesn't always apply to business you know there's an opportunity cost health um you know stress levels if you have a family to worry about these are all things that, i mean joe has had many conversations about when you're an entrepreneur you know you're on 24 7 and so there's always kind of that, like, I won't say necessarily fear, but that idea that like every hour I have available needs to be put into the business and chased by the lion, constantly exactly. chased by the lion. If we stop, we die. Exactly. Yep. Um, but there are other things to kind of keep in mind. So sometimes taking that 10 minutes to surf Facebook or do something, maybe there's a book that you're just really into. You want to spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes, whether it's, whether it's in kind of, education-based uh, read or something you just want to do to enjoy. Like sometimes that is actually more important because you need to make sure that your health, your well-being and whatnot are as, as high as they can be because that's going to make you a better business owner in the long run. And so there's opportunity costs like in everything, right? Like your health, uh, education, work. Like sometimes you might be better off going to something like, I don't know, the, the symposium that we have coming up. Um <laughs> December 10th, 11th, and 12th. To learn from, from, <laughs> to learn from uh, some experts um, versus maybe kind of just going out and putting on that hustle, right, for, for those extra days because you might gain more in the long run learning some of these trade secrets and things like that. Um, getting certified for certain events, uh, rug dyeing maybe or, or rug repair, carpet repair, kind of things like that that maybe aren't in your skill set right now that you could go get trained and add and, and, and things of that nature. So there's always going to be that kind of pull in every way. I mean, it's just how life is, right? Everything's a trade-off. Um, and I think kind of the closing thing that I would take is it doesn't mean you have to get stuck or frozen on that fear of like, well, what if this is the wrong choice? And so on here, like just... Go through the and be as educated as you can uh, on the process. Get as much data as you can on the process, um, and then kind of just just work it in the now. Like focus on the on the now. Uh, be, being frozen is not going to help you anyway. Just know that there is that future cost out there, so that you're you know, you know just keeping that in mind when you do make these decisions. A lot of times, it just comes down to discipline too, right? And something may pop up in assessing an opportunity. Um, business owners have a tendency to say yes a lot. And there's a concept protecting your no, right? Protecting your time by saying, no, that sounds like it might be good, but I really just want to focus on what I've got going on here. Here's, a, here's one internally before we move on. Um, 
super agents. Sorry to open old wounds for those of you who were not happy with the fact that we shut down that amazing program. We were making 40 grand a month off that program. And Eric and I were just like, meh, you got to shut it down. The opportunity costs related to HR that we had to deal with on a regular basis related to the our clients because we really wanted to give them a, an amazing product that really felt like we were their back office. That cost costs us more than what we were able to put into the product itself. And so as a result of working super agents, we actually lost opportunity to build Service Monster and make that better. So you got to question yourself on a regular basis and be willing to to move and, and move off of a decision that you've made to go do something else. So it all comes down to discipline. It all comes down to introspection. Um, you know, what looks good. Now, if you have just an amazing opportunity that pops up, that'll be really hard to pass up. Obviously, do some introspection. Don't say yes immediately. Look at what you need to do and then execute or protect your time and say, no, I've, I've got this thing that I'm working over here. So, Michael, you have anything to add? You've been quiet the whole time. No, I mean, you guys covered a lot of it. I think, um, yeah, it's it's, you know, I, I don't know what else I can say. You guys just covered it all. It was so good. <laughs> there was a few times I wanted to jump in, but you guys had such a good flow going. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I think, you know, just relating it to, you know, any, any job, obviously the work that we do is different than a service provider out there in the field. Um, but it's like something I basically, um, I, I kind of approach this on a daily basis, like every morning of like, okay, what do I need to get done today? And like, kind of rank things, you know, um, sometimes there's things that are more important than others. Um, but it's kind of just for me, like you said, Joe, it's a discipline, which I really resonated with that of, uh, it, it really has become like a daily focus of mine, um, weighing my opp the opportunity cost of everything that I'm doing, especially um, during my work time. Like what's my priority? What's going to give the most um, value to the company? What's going to be the most efficient use of my time? So um, yeah, definitely kind of just making that an everyday part of your life is um, can be really effective in just being a more efficient, um, not just worker, but person, honestly. I think something too that... Um can help you know service providers is you know what you and joe go through on the marketing front you know if you guys i don't know how many times we've harped on here about track your lead sources right track which mark track what marketing is actually working because there's massive opportunity costs of you know going down the wrong kind of path with marketing so maybe chat about that well yeah it's a tricky one because because there's a lot of different ways to get leads. You know, there's buying leads, which Joe, you've talked about that a lot. Um, and kind of your disdain for, for that source, which is, which is fine. I've seen a lot of people, you know, have horror stories about using, um, services where they're buying leads. Um, for some it works. So that's, that's a really big one. Do you want to touch on that? Or is that Oh, going off the rails a little bit. I, I, <laughs> I don't want to go off the rails, but it's a it's a it's a relevant one, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, just in general, I think marketing itself is an interesting because you have this concept of loft, which we've talked about. So while certain things may not necessarily um, directly track to performance, they can indirectly track how you get leads. Mm -hmm. So, do you put too much money into one thing versus another, and then what you know what could you have done with that cash? Because in this case, we're really talking about a cash. Unless content creation for those advertisements um, is time consuming, you know, back before media and volatile content, um, I mean, even Service Monster, we would spend three to 10 grand on a single video. And then we push that video and it would take, you know, 90 days. You'd sit down with the team and you'd come up with a script and you'd really like massage it and then you get to work and then you'd have reviews you do some still framing you put it all together you do some video shoots you go through the editing process you get some still frames wire frames you're going back and forth and back and forth and then 60 90 days later maybe you've got something you paid a decent amount of money for and then you launch it now michael's like i need a new ad i'm like okay i got you and 20 minutes later i send him a selfie video Right. Because I just hit record on my phone and I give the message that I want to communicate. 
like we have for the symposium, and then we're off and running. Um, and in terms of volatile content, you know, if I spend all that time on production, then I'm missing 60 days of opportunities where I could just be creating daily content that's volatile anyways. That, you know, $5,000 60-day video will have the same impact as a well-executed message. Um, and so, you know, weighing all that out and moving with the changes, um, that, you know, that's the name of the game. So mm -hmm. constant analysis of where you're spending your time and cash and resources. Yep. I think that's a good way to end it. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So uh, for you current service monster users, let's jump into some service monster news. Um, on the mobile front, I hope uh, everyone's enjoying some of the uh, tablet uh, changes that we made. Uh, you guys can flip it horizontally, right, and get that screen rotation. I know, I know, some of you guys are super excited about that. So, um, but we have another release that's that's probably man. I don't want to. We'll, we'll say we'll say a couple of weeks, so you, I don't get in trouble. Um, but one point three point seven um, is, and that number might change uh, as I mentioned, kind of last time we were doing a mobile. Um, release, but we're making some changes to the trial experience. So I know that that doesn't necessarily resonate with a lot of current users, but there's, there's a bunch of kind of just common use cases that we're finding that we really want to make sure that when someone comes in on the mobile app first, they understand you know what they're doing, user um, kind of information. And if you guys have technicians or agents or something like that, um, logging into the mobile app for the first time, that it's much more clear that uh, you don't, you're not signing up for a new account, right? That we're making sure that it's very easy for them to make sure they go to their admin, their admin, you know, where you guys, the owners, and be like, hey, what's my login information, and getting that in there. So, the, we're really smoothing that process out. On desktop, you guys might have your ears might have perked up when I said agent. Um, on desktop, we've got six five four. It's roughly a week or so, um, you know, plus or minus a day or so. Um, and the big thing that we're bringing is the agent and agent limited roles um, or security roles are coming into Service Monster 6. I know you guys have been banging down the door uh, for both me and Joe on this for, for a while. Um, and we're definitely excited to have that ready for you guys. And there's also some interesting kind of uh, things on the super technician role that uh, we might be rolling out too that I'll talk about next podcast. So... Both of those are exciting, um, and there's some really big things coming up right before the for the symposium. But we'll we'll just lay that little teaser out there, and then we'll we'll get more in depth when we get closer. So, um, with that, speaking of symposium, Michael, why don't you take yeah, it? Yeah, so symposium. Hopefully, you guys have heard about it by now. We talk about it every podcast, post about it, email about it constantly. Um, Twenty five percent off your ticket. Um, until November 15th. So that's just 10 days, 10 more days to get that 25% off discount. Um, servicemonster.net slash symposium links all over the place uh, for that. So I'll kind of want to just briefly touch on five of the speakers that we're going to be having uh, at the event this year. Um, there's ton, like we said, we have 24 speakers and panelists, I think maybe even more potentially on some of the panels. Um, there's just, there's been a ton of interest from, uh, people all over the, the cleaning industry in terms of wanting to be a part of it and, and offer value. Um, so one of the first ones we can touch on is Josh Latimer, who is the founder of send gym and automate grow cell. I know Joe, you've been on his podcast. He's been on yours. You guys have talked a ton throughout the years. Um, He's going to be talking about the uh, the three things you must have to get unstuck and earn the money you know you deserve. So a little more um, of a, I think it has a little more of a personal focus in terms of being a business owner and how you're managing um, your finances and all that stuff. So um, is there anything you want to say about Josh? Yeah, I mean, Josh is great. Um, him and I have been friends now, I would say going on three or four years. And when we first connected, I knew... Um, He's just got a different way, you know, and so I invited him to co-speak with me on a uh, on a um, speech I was doing for connections when, you know, way back when all this stuff was live um, and we talked about KPIs. I knew that for the hour I was going to rattle on about data, I was going to put everybody to sleep. Not everybody's ex as excited about analytics as I am. Um, and so I used Josh as a speed bump <laughs> to kind of 
tie that data back into the real world because he has ran several service businesses. um, And, and now I think he's kind of strictly doing the coaching and speaking thing. So, you know, he's been doing that for a while and uh, he knows what he's talking about. So I'm excited to hear what he has to say. Yeah. The, uh, the second one is Mark Sager, um, Sager steam clean. He's a third generation cleaner. Um, He, uh, is going to be speaking on passing the torch and basically talking about an exit plan, um, which is something that I remember you had a with an entree Joe video back in the day about an exit plan. Joe, I think it was one of your last like or ask service monster videos oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And it's um and that was really a popular one. And so I'm I'm really interested to hear what Mark will have to say about kind of how how to approach like leaving your business, not just shutting it down, but passing it on, creating a business that is desirable to someone um, who would, you know, either a family member you want to pass it down to or even sell it off. Um, yeah. So what's, what's uh, your story with Mark there? Well, Mark has been, I mean, he's been around forever. You know, I've been in the industry for 17 years. Um, even before that though, I've got family in the industry and uh, um, Mark has just been a fixture forever. I think the peers of the industry picked him up um, because he does such a great job on YouTube content for his company. And this isn't turning the camera around to talk to other carpet cleaners. Um, He's actually built quite a following um, in his local community with the videos that they do on YouTube. So if you haven't seen that, you might want to go check that out. Um, And, uh, and, you know, it may be apropos for him to be doing uh, passing the torch because he's been laid up after knee surgery. So we wish him a speedy recovery and look forward to what he has to say at the symposium. Uh, And Mason Tomeno from being the founder of Mason's Network, also over 30 years of experience in the cleaning industry. Um, He's going to be talking about relationships, the importance of building lasting relationships and how that helps you increase sales. Um, so what's the uh, what's the history with Mason here, Joe? So Mason's been all over the place, right? He was worked for Hydromaster. Before that, it was John Don. Um, he's done distributor, like within the shop itself. My favorite story about Mason, besides the fact that the guy is just a beast when it comes to networking, this whole claim to fame is networking. And so um, for a long while, Mason, all by himself, held the number two position in social dominance within the carpet cleaning industry. Three guesses is who is number one. <laughs> Service monster, baby, if you had any doubts. Um, and and uh, John Don took over part of what he was doing, but he still maintains control over his stuff, right? Because he helped Strategies for Success get that group going with Steve Tobirian and Bill Eden. Um uh, both will be at the symposium, by the way. We'll yeah, talk about say, them later. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, um, Mason's just a great guy and a, just a beast of a salesperson. There are whole, like, divisions that track how many truck mounts are sold. And Mason typically outperforms, as an individual, he outperforms entire companies. Like I remember hearing that, um, you know, the average sale of carpet cleaning equipment, truck mounts within a given shop, maybe 20 or 30 in a year. And he typically puts up, at least when he was doing it, was putting up 60, 70 truck mount sales a year. I mean, just absolute monster. But it all came down to how nice he is, how much he networks, how much he communicates and cares. And now Becky's running around too, doing, doing her thing. Um, He's done it. He's doing some coaching now as well, as well as he started mm-hmm. his own cleaning business after he left Hydromaster. So he's got a lot of stuff going on and uh, I look forward to seeing him there. Yeah. Uh, the next guy, I'm probably going to say his name wrong, even though I looked at it before. Sean, Sean Bisseon. I, I looked it up. It's so hard to remember. Um, he is uh an industry cleaning specialist also with 30 years of experience got a lot of guys with like just years of experience here um he's going to be taking a different approach so a lot of these speakers are taking a uh a more like general high level business approach or personal approach um as a business owner but he's actually talking about from floors to fabrics and beyond so i, I believe his his uh lecture is going to be a little more focused on practical cleaning tips um and kind of just like how you can um expand 
uh, your your service offering um, beyond kind of um, what we talked about a lot before um, with just uh, pivoting your business and stuff like that. So what's the what's the history here with Sean? Sean's again been in the industry for as long as he's been alive, pretty much. He is a beast when it comes to the technical aspects of cleaning. Um, he's a ICRC master, um, teaches classes, walks around with the lab coat and the, the goggles on a regular basis, um, which reminds me just real quick, not, you know, jumping off of Sean, but back to Mark. I forgot to mention that Mark also started creating chemicals, right? Seeger juice, oh, yeah, as right. it were. And he's got a lot of great chemicals on the line. And I'm sure Sean could show you how to use them properly. Because uh, as long as he has the pH balance and, and you know, what, what the surfactant power is, essentially, then uh, he's going to know it. So Sean's just very well educated. He does a really good job at educating others and kind of getting them into the idea of, you know, w- what are the technical aspects of what we do? So again, just another powerhouse who's been in the industry a long time and a wealth of knowledge. Yep. He's also been on the cleaning podcast. So if yep. you guys haven't listened to that, make sure you guys go take a listen. The very first episode, correct? I think, yeah. I don't remember. Was any of the guests? On the, I think it was the guest on the very first one. Yeah. Maybe. The cleaning podcast. I really got to fire oh, that back up, but man, I've just been so busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Jim Pearson also will be speaking. He's a certified mechanical hygienist and president and CEO of Mold Inspection Services. Also the co-owner and founder of AmeriClean, which is a full-service disaster restoration company. So he's clearly a very busy guy. Um, and you even a lot. touch on the fact that he's, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think he, I don't know if he's on the board anymore, but he was on the board of the IICRC and the IICRCA. Mm-hmm. Um likes to give back to the community he's written several yep. books like jim's amazing and and uh one of the older guard as it were and he um just a wealth of knowledge there as well yeah yeah he's gonna be speaking on kind of taking your company into the future um i think he's gonna be sharing some specific stuff with how his company um has used service monster um to grow and obviously the, some of the stuff can be applied to any crm but the focus i mean it's the service monster cleaning symposium yeah, yeah. so you know of um, course another thing about jim that i find fascinating is that um you know here i am saying asian old guy and then he's doing forward thinking right he's doing business in the future he's the yeah. only old guy i would trust that to truth like the, his his ability to see where social media should have played a role with the association back in, I want to say when, when, when I was, I was on the board in like 2012, 2013, somewhere in that time frame, And, uh, and he just was on it. He knew how important and impactful it was going to be. Um, and so that was, that was always impressed me because nobody else, <laughs> me and Jeremy Reitz were the only two people on the board of directors there who were Gen X. Everybody else were old, old boomers by a couple generations and, um, not generations, a couple decades. And, uh, and Jim was right there with us. He knew what was up. So I can't wait to hear what he says about the future. And he uses the term boomers with love. I promise. <laughs> Send the hate mail to <laughs> Adam's email, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, they know where to find me on Facebook. Exactly. Yep. That's all um, I got for the symposium. So we'll, uh, I'll put a link. You guys will see it everywhere. Post about it all the time. Get a ticket 25% off if you haven't already. Very good. Can't wait to see you guys there. Yeah, and just a reminder, each podcast as we kind of move towards the symposium is going to have this breakdown of the speakers. So you guys can go back, you can listen, you can you know, see everyone who's going to be here. And I mean, we're jam-packed with value. So I hope you guys see that and we hope to see you guys there. Moving on, um, Entree Joe. And this one was really interesting because I had just come up with the idea um, to talk about opportunity cost on Monday. And like two hours later, I saw this post and I was like, well, that's a done deal because these tie very similarly together. So without further ado, take anything of value and make it free and you immediately reduce its value to almost zero. This has nothing to do with cost or changes to the properties of the service. If the receiving party has no skin in the game, they will hold little value to what they are receiving. The most apparent example is time. 
When people give away their time, other people will often take it with little regard to the value it has to you. Hashtag Entree Joe. So let's kind of let's chat about that, Joe. Yeah, I mean, the symposium is a good example. If we would have just sold tickets for free, a bunch of people would have jumped on and very few people would have showed up. Um, it's just the way it is. People don't value things until they get a little skin in the game. So, um, yes, we want to make sure we cover our costs for the symposium, you know, but 50% is going to be dedicated and uh, donated to a heart foundation, um, children's heart foundation, the remaining 50%, it's like 41, 40, 51, 49, but it takes too long to explain that. Um, the remaining, uh, 49% goes in a lockbox so we can make next year's show even better. Um, so we're not looking to make any cash. I just simply want Service Monster to have a booth at an amazing show. And at a time when we're locked down and the associations are failing us um, on providing us with a good show, we just, Service Monster just decided to do it. So, yeah, we we thought about how are we going to do tickets? Are we going to give them away? Are we gonna, Are we going to sell them? And I'm pretty sure most people will show up, at least for a good portion of the symposium, if they have to throw 50 or 70 bucks at it. Uh, it's just that little bit that makes you go, yeah, this is important to me. And then it communicates to us that it's important to you, which means that, you know, we put that effort into the show. So, um, but this comes at everything. If you start doing free things for people, they will expect it. You look at how Groupon works. You go to Groupon, you do that first job, you're doing a 50% off your discount. You make no money on the damn deal, thinking that maybe you'll land some repeat clients. And of course, when you call them back up or you send them something that says, hey, time to re-up, they want the same deal they had last time. Well, you're going to charge me twice as much as last time? And so, um, you know, people need to know the value of things. And a lot of times that just turn, comes down to, to dollars because that's what we do in this society. We trade hours for dollars and then we have these dollars that we then go spend what we're really spending is our time um and so if you don't spend that time then you don't think there's really any value to it so it's important so when you're looking at pricing your stuff make sure that you're just not undercutting to try to get the deal done you've got to give yourself margins so that you can grow your business and then sell the value of what you provide yeah, I always, I always kind of harken back to two or a really common example is pizza. How many of you guys order pizza at full price? Probably none of you, right? There's always a coupon. There's always a deal. You're calling up like, eh, give me like the, you know, the $8 deal. And these guys have gotten to a point, all of the national brands and all the local places for the most part, unless they're a really upscale restaurant, they're all having to, to compete with that, right? Everyone's competing against like they're driving themselves down to the bottom. And I think that's Joe's thing is like, know that you, your your pizza is worth the extra money because you guys are going to go through that. You know, you have the years of expertise. You have, you have, you know, the better chemicals, you have the better equipment, whatever it might be. You know, you guys have value, your services, your knowledge has value um, and your time has value. So that's really kind of all needs to be said there. Good. Last but certainly not least, we have Smug. Um, we have some some fun posts this week. Uh, the first one was from Robin, um, kind of going into the, the API game, working with uh, Zapier, working with uh, some, some web development shops, um, and just asked kind of about, you know, hey, does anyone have a way to, you know, pull data out of Service Monster into Google Sheets? Um, and like, in their own words, talking about, you know, hey, I understand SQL. I understand, you know, how to do basic queries in Excel and things like that, but I don't know how to get the data into, into the Excel so that I can utilize it. Because basically what they're trying to do is make some 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 custom, I believe, goals and dashboards and things that they're on the sales front for their for their technicians. Um, and there was just kind of there was some nice uh, community feedback. And you know, we're we're always going to shine a light on these posts because we love when you guys kind of give back to each other and you kind of help um, kind of cultivate some of these ideas. Right? Um, there was one talking about Fiverr. Which is, if you guys don't know, Fiverr is kind of a way to connect people with various skill sets. Some of it can be a little shady, so be very careful um, about where you're spending money there. Um, but there was someone that this uh, other gentleman that Robert had worked with that did a really good job, which is some basic kind of um, API work. So 
there was that. And I mentioned that uh, Zapier does connect with, with Google Sheets. So depending on the data that you're pulling out, because um, not everything can be pulled out via Zapier. A lot can, um, but not everything necessarily. Um, but depending on what you're pulling out, you can utilize that with Google Sheets. It's one of Zapier's most common um, integrations, actually. So, and, and our grids, too, and our reports, they can all be spit out as Excel spreadsheets. Correct. Yep. So just keep that in mind as well. And the really cool thing about the reports is you can customize them. So you can, it's basically you guys are creating custom reports through our grids. So, yep. Um, the next post um, came in from Alan. We, we love Alan um, and Audrey both. Um, asking about being able to upload a PDF to work orders um, via the images tab. And Brenda came in and kind of just said, hey, images and documents are actually separated. You can you can upload a PDF. It's just it's the, the documents tab and went through the process of going through that. And I wanted to shine a light on just a couple of quick things here. One is that you know Smug is not really um, a support channel. Joe and I have mentioned this numerous times. As much as Joe and I try to keep eyes on it, um, if you guys need support, you know, please contact support. We have got phone, we've got email. Um, you know, reach out to them and they'll they'll answer these questions for you guys asap. Um, but the other thing is that Brenda, who's one of our support reps, she also kind of helps go through here, and she's the one who's typically um, replying here outside of myself and and Joe. And we just kind of wanted to kind of point out that fact that, you know, hey, Brenda does an amazing job, first and foremost. We love her to death. I'm sure if any of you guys have contacted her um, through the support channels, you know how great she's at her job. But um, you know, we just kind of want to give support a pat on the back, so to speak, and just, you know, remind that you can pick up the phone, you can call someone and they're going to answer. You don't have to send an email and have it wait for two days before you get a response on something, right? You don't have to sit to a chat bot um, and go through a bunch of stuff. Just like press one, please, a real person, please, just a real person, right? You don't have to go through those steps for us. So, um, yeah, I mean, just touching on your points, the first one is it's not a, smug is not a support channel uh, as you would understand it. So, if you're having a problem with the product and you want help, so smug is the worst way to do it. Um, and you know, I will just because of my nature not respond for a bit <laughs> i really want you to use the email and phone we are one of the only crm companies on the planet that offers direct phone support and a lot of our clients have us on speed dial ahead of their wives um, and so you know it's important to us when we built this company the so term software as a service didn't exist we were one of the very first companies to build the model. And a lot of my experience came from running call centers. And so that level of customer support was a big deal. The software as a service, the service portion of that means as much to us as the software side does. Because without the support, then, you know, you guys are left to your own devices. It's another reason why we push all this content out is because the fabric of our company is built on that providing value and communication and making sure you guys get what you need when you need it. So, um, you know, take a minute to highlight that pat ourselves on the back and say, as one of the only CRMs that has full fledged, um, eight, 10, uh, yeah, 10 hour phone support, take advantage of that. You know, when you need help, call us. Uh, they love Jamie, Sam, Chachi, Brenda, like all those guys, Jamie, they, they all, and now Kevin, uh, who's now running the sales and support department. Um, and we'll be adding some more team members here soon, but these guys are amazing at their jobs and they can answer your questions usually pretty quickly. And if not, then they know who to talk to and who to bug in order to get that stuff done. So, uh, love our support team. Ab absolutely. And I just want to take a quick note to, the SaaS model, the software as a service model that Joe was just talking about, has kind of blown up um, across software in general. And I think it's really important to all of you guys and, and gals to really pay attention to the ones that are actually providing you a service and the ones that just transferred their old exact same model 
to this new monthly or annual subscription. You don't really get anything out of it. It's just a way for them to squeeze out extra revenue. So yeah, and look at the VCs. They have no interest in living, building a big company with lots of people that help people. Any dollar they want to put into it is about automation. What can we do to scale? What can we do to talk to these people as little as possible? Right. Have you ever picked up the phone and called Facebook? Have you ever picked up the phone and called Google? I mean, there's some advertising help you can get, but you know the drill. It's like they're impossible to reach on purpose because they don't want one-on-one help because it doesn't scale well when you deal with tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of people. CRM companies don't do that. Don't let them fool you. They've got a couple thousand clients, right? So, um, you know, the best of us may have up to 10,000 clients and users. Um, So it's totally manageable, but they don't want it cutting into their bottom line. And uh, I'm willing to sacrifice that profit to make sure you guys get the support that you need when you need it. So. Last but not least, um, we have a post from someone who I I love to death. Um, First off, Pete, fantastic last name. I won't say it over the over the broadcast here, but. Love your last name and worked with him very heavily in the onboarding process. Absolutely amazing person. Um, and he posted that we don't see this all that often um, these days in Smug. He posted a question that was about cleaning outdoor carpets. Um, he, he's a pressure washer. And so typically, you know, he's dealing with uh, probably not dealing with the carpet side of things. Right. And so just kind of asking the carpet cleaners, they've experienced with outdoor carpet with heavy moss growth. And a bunch of people jumped in, um, Corey, Toby, uh, Dan, all of you guys. I'll give you guys shout outs. Thanks you so much for kind of jumping in. There was some great advice, great discussion that kind of went down. And we absolutely love to see that, like I said, in the first post. Um, and really hope you guys kind of continue that, uh, helping each other out. That's really part of what Smug is all about, right? Small business owners helping each other to become massively successful. So, Ourselves included. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, that's all I got for you, Joe. There's actually one quick thing that I'll note. Um, we have a special episode next podcast. Uh, it's the 50th. Episode number 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our 50th podcast episode. Um, yeah. I don't even know how many videos were on YouTube, though. <laughs> but um, we're going to do uh, just some fun top 10 reasons why you may not be using Service Monster. At least that beginning of that segment may not be relevant to people who are actually using Service Monster, um, but we'll try to bring some value there as well, in addition to updates and smug posts and so forth. So, but yeah, um, our second live stream, uh, we're practicing this muscle so that when we do the symposium main stage events, we've got a really good process down. Um, And from a business perspective, this is saving us a huge amount of time in editing because usually editing video um, the formula is typically one hour per minute is how much time you're going to spend creating producing and editing for each minute of finished product that you have with a live stream like this justin might have to spend a couple hours of pre-production a couple hours of post-production and and we're done Uh, and so then we can go concentrate on other things so again for us we're continually improving looking at ways to improve not just the product not just our customer support, but also the value that we're delivering to you. So we thank you so much for your attention uh, and your communication, your support, your engagement, your likes, your follows, your comments. They all go to help um, really make this worth doing. So we really appreciate you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at the symposium. Until next time.